The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. You may have spent your long weekend, I don't know, hanging out at the beach, relaxing at home, catching up on your TV shows. But some of us spent our long weekend participating in something called the Canadian Death Race. Brad, uh, any interest in, in participating in a death race? It is never going to happen on my end, ever. It sounds like the way we worded it earlier was a grueling ultra marathon. And I will ask Alex himself if he has a better way to describe it. But I cannot imagine myself lasting in those conditions for that long. So not only did Alex Petrosky participate in the Canadian death race, he of Edmonton also came out as the winner. And so we, of course, had to welcome him to the show because, first of all, an incredible feat just to sign up for this and then to win on top of that. Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing, I'm doing great, thank you. You're doing great. So does that mean you've, you've rested and you're in recovery mode following... Uh, how, how long were you running? Um, uh, for this race, I've been running for uh, just under 13 hours, 12 hours and 45 minutes. Wow. Um, <laughs> How does one get involved in this, Alex? I mean, you know, from the outside, you look at it and you go, holy smokes, this is going to be, this is going to be long. This is going to be painful. This is going to hurt. How does one get involved in these type of races? And then on top of that, have the passion and the, and the drive to, to make it to the finish line first. Or in your case, I know you've had a, a few top five finishes throughout your career. Yeah. I mean, the, the, Kind of the the origin of where I got into it is um, is road running really. Um, I did I did cross country running uh, when I was in, in high school and then again at university. But um, after a bit of a break, I got kind of got back into the road scene. Um, you know, doing your half marathon or your marathon, and from there, I actually kind of jumped into triathlon. Um, and it, in the triathlon game, you kind of you push those boundaries of distance. You get into the the half Ironman and then and then the Ironman and I haven't done an Ironman but um, along the way I kind of refound my passion for trail running um, and you know combined with my my passion for endurance sports and, and long endurance sports the natural uh, the natural scene was the ultra marathon team and some of these races are super super cool um, you know there's almost nothing better than being in the mountains um, you've got you got nature you've got adventure every once in a while which is you know this weekend was one of those days it can be very painful you've got a lot of wet uh, you know wet mud um, clay stick into your feet um, some some pretty rough bush. Uh, you get scraped. You, you're falling all over the place. But um, some of the other ones are nice and sunny. So. Alex, uh, can you take us into what what the course of this particular race looks like? Yeah. So the course is, is divided into five legs. Um, the first leg is I want to say relatively flat. It's not flat, but relative to a couple of the other legs, it is flat. Um, you um, you start off heading through town. You end up out on some um, some smaller trails, and uh, um, essentially you approach one of the first mountains that you're going to climb. And on leg two, that's what you do. You climb two separate mountains. Uh, you head outside of the Alpine a couple of times and uh, summit two mountains, and then it's a really steep incline right back into town. And you kind of have to catch your breath, do a little bit of running there before you're on... Uh, Mount Hamill, which is the the last of the, the major um, ascents, there you uh, you got about 
13 or 14 kilometers of, of climbing uh, at that point, and and then you're descending back into uh, into town, and you've, you're covering 120 kilometers uh, over the, the course of the race, I think 5,000 meters. Um, it doesn't sound like a lot of fun, and I totally understand that when I'm talking to people and trying to explain my sport. I don't, uh, I don't expect them to understand where the, the passion comes from, but if you're having a good day out there, it's, it's pretty awesome. Alex, what does the training look like? What do you go through to get prepared for a race like this because of the different levels of terrain and the different elevations that you go through throughout the entire race? It's a great question. Um, a lot of the competitors that I, that I go against, they, um, you know, everybody kind of uh, does their own thing, and so there's multiple ways to skin the cat as far as getting prepared for these things. You know, personally, you know, I'm an, I'm an Edmonton boy, and um, I have the River Valley at my disposal. I do a lot of running in the River Valley. Um, I ramp up my training in February through about mid-May, um, doing more and more kilometers every week. Um, that peaks at about 100 to maybe 110 kilometers, sorry, uh, miles, so 160, 170 kilometers in a week is what I'll try and shoot for. Um, that kind of prepares me for the distance aspect of it. You know, the trails, I'm, I'm doing my best to get up and down. I'm doing my best to, to look for technical trails, but there's only so much you can do when you're eventually going to end up in the mountains. So um, I try to get out to the mountains every once in a while. And then, you know, October to February is when I kind of take the opportunity to, to bring back the mileage and, and do some strength training and, and fitness stuff. So we're talking high high tempo. Um, I get on the rolling machine a lot and do bike trying my joints and my bones a little bit of a break at some point because you can't really push all year without expecting some sort of a breakdown. What are the ideal conditions for a race of this length? I mean, obviously you don't want it to be too cold, but at the same time you don't want it to be sweltering hot upwards of 33 or 34 degrees. Is there a happy medium for you personally when you're running one of these races? Yeah, and it's cold. I would say I'd be okay if it was 70 degrees. Um, others would would find that to be a little bit tough. It may be 10, 10, 12 degrees. Um, and actually, you know what? A lot of them talked about with the conditions in this last race on Saturday. Um, it wasn't ideal from a, like it was wet and it was muddy, but from a temperature standpoint, um, it was nice and cool. And so you can you can run your engine, you know, you can redline it for for a good good ways when it's when it's 25 30 degrees uh or higher um goodness it it really hurts the body and you can't uh you can't push as hard as you'd like to and and it turns you know it adds to the, uh, you know another variable to your race um trying to not push your body and not overheat and i didn't have that issue on saturday thankfully yes you had a phenomenal performance i mean i know of course we ask, were you expecting to win? But I mean, how, how could you have expected? Of course, you're just doing your best. But when you cross that finish line and, and you found out your results, what went through your mind after such a long race? Well, um, I don't want to say that I was expecting to win. I wasn't expecting to win. But I do know that I'm going to come in um, kind of on, on the, the higher end of things. Um, I, I know the competitors that are out there. And I know the ones that, that I'm looking at saying they can put down a really good time. Um, and I know that I'm one of them. Uh, this race, I took a different approach. I was, I was racing it. I was trying to be strategic on the actual race, um, picking my point when I was going to separate myself from the field and not pushing too early. Uh, pushing too early is something that I've, 
Um, I personally sometimes have an issue with. I there are there are days when I go out and it can be a hundred mile race, and I'm I don't want to say I'm going all out off the bat, but um, but I take the approach that if you're not running fast, you're not trying, and it has caught up with me a couple of times. And so on Saturday, I took some time, um, probably for the first four or five hours where I was very comfortable. And I know that sounds kind of crazy. You're trying to just relax for the first 50K, but I was. And at about the 50K mark, um, I knew I had a lot of energy and I had a lot of legs left. Um, so there's about a, a 17 or 18 kilometer. It's, it's downhill. It's technical running. So you're kind of on rocks and uh, heading through brush. Um, it's always a lot of wildlife in the area, but I I was pushing and I pushed really really hard, and I separated myself from the field. And at that point, I I had a feeling that that I could capture this if I could just kind of keep my effort levels up. So um, I ended up on the the last mountain, um, and I was just I just kind of had a, a zen going. I was just pushing as hard as I could. I, and that last mountain, it was like a river flowing down past your feet it was it was muddy it was actually pouring rain at the time and it was just gushing down because the trail was the actual drainage rope to the mountain um you just sort of had to kind of keep your wits about you and just just push so i did and it ended up being enough separation for me to um to kind of cruise it in at the end was there any moment within those just under 13 hours that you thought this is incredibly difficult. You had a, you had a moment of pause, or were you zen the whole way? Oh no, there's you end up with having ups and downs, and that comes from what you're eating. Um, the farther in you get, the the closer you are to failure with your body. And I know that I've done done 16, 18, 20 hour runs before, and you're just that much closer to being being at the fail point. This race specifically uh, probably the most difficult mentally was um the last leg i wouldn't say that six or seven kilometers from the ending um i ran into a, a black bear and i'm not a bear person whatsoever i uh, just running along the, the trail and the black bear jumped out at me um it was probably 25 30 meters away and obviously i had startled it it didn't didn't rush me by any means um but you know i just kind of talked calmly to it backed up around around the the bend until we were out of eye shot and then the bear i thought it had actually screwed off into the woods i saw you know a bunch of branches and trees kind of um moving and shaking um and and i picked up a couple of stones and sort of started forward it was it was an interesting i'll say this i was i was conflicted internally because i was super scared but i was really motivated to keep going because i was like i got this win i need to I can't stop. Like, I need to keep going. Um, and I came around the bend again. I was looking for the bear and um, kept walking, kept walking. And then all of a sudden realized that the bear was in the tree right above me. And that was really startling. And I tried not to not to let that be a moment of intensity that the bear could feel. And I just kind of kept talking to it and, and walked by. And for the next 20 minutes or so, I had a really difficult time getting my heart rate down. I was... I was pretty panicked about that, and and I know that I was I was yelling, you know, for bears the rest of the way, and I probably should have been yelling for bears beforehand, but it's it's tough to do that while you're super exhausted. It's tough to kind of get the breath for that. So in a scenario like that, and and this leads perfectly into the question I wanted to ask you, Alex, is 
Is the competition out there during the race between competitors pretty friendly? I mean, when you get when you talk about sports like hockey and football, you know there's trash talk happening on the ice and, and on the field, but if you have competitors nearby and they see each other struggling or or stressed out about, you know, a situation like you were involved in with that bear, do you get encouragement from fellow competitors to push on and, and, and finish the race? It's it's insanely friendly. It's 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 extremely supportive. Now that said, um, struggling to an extent, right? Like if somebody's having a tough time running, and I'm and I'm competing for you know top spot with them, I'm not slowing down for them. But there is a there is a point when you can say like their body's shutting down. They're they're having a really really tough time. Um, there's an always or usually in these races there's a relay component. So you've got teams of, of five that have signed up to do it as a you know as a group. Um, and they tend to be very very supportive because you're not kind of going head to head. And um, I know I've had some struggles in my last week. I went um, I kind of went calorically into a bad place, and and when that happened. You know, it's it's called bonking. It happens on marathons for a lot of people, but um, it was a bad bonk, and I was I was. It felt like I was just wandering around the woods. I was having a tough time even even seeing the trail in front of me. Um, and there were a lot of early runners that came around and, and were very supportive. Um, but you know, further to that, actually, um, I didn't have a crew for this specific run. Usually, people bring some people to help you out at the aid stations. Uh, but I did have um, a couple of buddies that were. Uh, that our runners weren't running the specific race that did give me a hand, and I appreciate it enormously. Um, one of them won it last year, his name is Dayton, and his brother was, was second place, was chasing me, and he still decided that it was uh, something that he was willing to do to, to give me a hand at these aid stations and, and make sure that I kind of got out okay, um, which I just think is super cool. That uh, it's, it's, the, it's kind of the culture of winning, even though we're all hyper competitive. There's, there's some fantastic there. They're there to win, for sure. Alex, after taking a huge win at one of Alberta's toughest ultra marathons, what's next for you? I have another ultra lined up for about three weeks from today. Not from today, sorry, from that race. So um, it's down in, in Kimberley, BC, called the Black Spur Ultra. Um, and I have another one lined up four weeks after that. I'm wondering if I've bit off a little bit more than I can chew because um, my body, you know, it, it takes some time. Uh, I had four weeks prior to this weekend, I had a 100-mile run, and um, and it, it took a lot out of my system, uh, as you would expect. But uh, I, would, I would call myself very much a veteran of the sport. I've done this, you know, 30 times before. And uh, the body, my body specifically, it bounces back a lot more than it, it it did early in my in my running or ultra career, um, but I know that the the hundred miler at the, you know early July took a lot out of my system. I honestly didn't feel ready to be um, on a on a start line until maybe two days before um, the Canadian Death Race, and so uh, I'm glad I went. But I was considering you know saying I'm not I'm not prepared for this, um, but the body has kind of has a way and, and maybe it's the mind too. the mind plays a big part in this i think you have a champion mindset some may say alex thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us about your big win and again congratulations awesome thank you very much for having me on here alex petrosky truly giving us an example of pushing your body to its 
absolute limits. He completed an ultra marathon, coming in first place, mind you, with a time of just under 13 hours. Yeah, he uh, his finish over the weekend was one of the five fastest finishes in the ultra marathon's 20-year history. So not only did he perform at a, an extreme level, he is he now has his name in history on on this race, which is a race that <laughs> that you have to listen to him describe it to get a, a true understanding. On the surface, it already sounds extremely difficult, intense, exhausting, the terrain differences, you know, climbing, running up mountains and what have you, running into black bears. But listening to him talk about all those different conditions, I mean... I have never been more fascinated and amazed and feel more like I do not want to do anything that he accomplished in those 13 hours. No, that experience with the black bear was a hell of a story. I mean, he's he's just running, minding his own business, but obviously out in the woods and he must have, you know, something must have cracked or what have you and it disturbed the bear. He stops. He says he picks up a couple of stones, walks for a little bit, kind of doing the the eyes back and forth just to see if this bear is, is moving, but also to avoid eye contact with it, then begins running again. And then discovers that the bear is up in the tree <laughs> above him. I mean... Maybe the bear was trying to take part in the ultra marathon. Yeah. The bear's been training as well. Just that... Before he mentioned that story of the bear, it, it didn't even cross my mind. That he's uh, in the, the wild? Well, the, just the wildlife that, that is out there. I mean, you know you're out there, but... As he had mentioned, you're so laser-focused on winning, posting a good time, keeping yourself hydrated, all of those extra things that you need to keep in mind. And then a bear shows up, and you have to become defensive. You spice spice up the story of your 13-hour ultramarathon by including an encounter with a bear, as if it's not impressive enough to be like, this is what I did, also there was a bear. Well, and now he's going to turn around and race in less than... Well, about two weeks. He's two weeks away from another ultra marathon. He must still be feeling sore from last weekend. Oh, I can't imagine his feet. The question Brad and I want to pose to you, 630-630, is our text line. When and where have you pushed your body to its limits? Maybe it was a run. Maybe it was a triathlon. Maybe it was a long day of work. To me, it was. I just had to walk from my desk to get the water today. Needed to refill. Brad had to, is constantly had to pushing in, himself. Had to debate that in my head for about 10 minutes before I really committed to walking could, there. I think we can include mentally pushing yourself oh, yeah. to your limit as well. Because there's been times where, I mean, we, we spoke earlier with Jack Shanley about, uh, in the case of the Northern BC murder suspect manhunt, the perimeter containment. Like, those law enforcement officers would have to be so zeroed in and keeping a focus. Like, that would be mentally draining. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... My dad, I remember him as part of a murder investigation. He didn't come home for over three days. And he worked for three days straight. He said the amount of coffee he drank in those three days was just to, just to even remotely stay awake. Like he was awake for three hours? Like three days straight? Yes. What? Yes. Did he take a nap? No. How? There was a manhunt actually <laughs> going, <laughs> going on in uh, in Ottawa. This was years back, and I didn't hear him or, or see him for three days. But when he finally came home, he sat down at the dinner table, and I kid you not, 
he took a bite of food, and as he was putting his fork down, his head was going down <laughs> with his hand and his arm as he was trying to place the food. He was falling asleep while eating at the dinner table. Well, and Alex mentioned that, where, where you get into this, this mindset where you're just... You're, you're zen, you're in the zone, and then when it's done, you're done too.